as you see there, we're going to cover all of chapter 8 um, this morning, like last week, kind of covering most of 7. This time we'll cover all of 8. And as the book continues to kind of move forward, um, in the last couple of uh, sermons, you see it's a challenge as we read the text to be able to get real simply at what he's trying to describe. Um, before we were on the quests, you recall, there's four or five quests at the beginning um, of wisdom, of wealth, and so on and so forth. And those are pretty straightforward, of course, as we read them. This is what he's dealing with. Now, we're going to have to pay attention to a few more of the nuances of what he's getting at in order to piece together the threads that then come together that bring some sense of clarity. This morning, we must stay up front of what he's describing is a very particular situation. Now, again, we'll be able to broaden the scope of this very easily through the text, But we must note that this is a particular historical context with a particularized historical situation in mind. You see that in verse 2 where he begins already, keep the king's command. So he's dealing here with um, those, if you look at the end of verse 9, all that I observed, all this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when... So here's this, keep the king's command, and this is what I'm seeing in time, when man had power over man to his hurt. So when we begin to piece this together, what we grasp in this context, the hearers of the the immediate audience find themselves struggling, that is, as he says, when a man had power over man to his hurt, that is, they seem to be under the rule of an unpredictable Maybe we would describe him as a bit unhinged, but indeed a powerful king. So this is the context that he's looking out, and we don't share that immediate context. And so I just want us to be aware uh, of the audience and how they're hearing uh, his advice to them. They are hearing where frustration is abounding, right? So their faith, as as he speaks, and he drives them towards what he's been getting at for Uh, seven chapters now, driving them to faith, he is explaining now how faith is waning for the righteous. So he's describing this historical situation where their frustration is abounding, their faith is waning, if at all present. For those who continually look out and see the wicked thriving, this is frustrating in the extreme. The righteous are struggling and the wicked are prospering. Again, we looked at that a bit last week. You can go into the Psalms, and you see those Psalms as well. Deep frustration. Notice in verse 10, at this little window into the frustration that is continually going forward here from chapter 7, and now look at verse 10. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in, and this is how he's describing the frustration that abounds. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This is vanity. The wicked continue to get accolades and praise, and the righteous continue to suffer at their hands. This is exceedingly frustrating. Look at verse 14. He keys us into, again, the audience mindset at this point where frustration is abounding. There is a vanity that takes place on earth that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. 
I said that this is vanity. Again, he's still citing the language from chapter 7 and verse 15 of what we looked at last week. In my vain life, this is verse 15 of chapter 7, I have seen everything. And the frustration in the optics in the kingdom is this. This is what I see. A righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs, preserves, enhances his life in his wrongdoing. This is the constant raw skin feel. You should grasp that kind of picture in your mind as they're emotionally kind of parallel to raw skin, right? Pittsburgh winter is coming. The air is already very dry. Your knuckles will crack and bleed, and so on and so forth. This, this is the emotional status of those who look out. They are chapped. They're seeing good, bad things, bad prospering. So the preacher here, with this kind of sewn-in perspective, given the historical situation, there is someone on target here, and he is the king. He has power over, over men to bring injury and harm, and that seems to be what he's doing. Lady Justice is out of whack, it's out of balance, and he's already been speaking about this, but here he continues to put forth, at this point, a measure of how to move forward. Again, the system is operating this way, out of balance, wrongly. It's chapping the righteous, he understands. Faith is waning, burdens are being bore. Frustration is abounding. Okay, let me then offer you some general balm for your hands, some general lotion, some ointment for the chapping. Let me give you some, well, lotion. I was going to say butt cream because our kids, uh, but never mind, that was when they were younger. That was when they were younger. Diaper rash. Anyway, um, you never know when you leave your notes what flies into the mind. Um, mine are anchored in family experiences. And uh, uh, Anyway, I digress. He, at this point, he offers them the lotion, and that is the strong words of encouragement. And I want to give them to you also this morning as we go through the passage. His encouragement is twofold to you when your frustrations are abounding. Um, and life is complex. Um, we, we all know that. We've acknowledged that multiple times. Anytime we speak forth the text and we try to be as clear and forth, uh, uh, forth with, with the text as possible, it, it doesn't immediately transfer right into, into simple hearing and simple acting. There are complexities that abound in the hearing and in the doing and the relying upon the Lord for his mercy and his grace to live by faith in the hearing of the text. So... Um, the degree of complexity might change from person to person, uh, their life situation, their constitution, the gift of faith of which they've received, and the, the amount of grace and mercy that they're experiencing, and the life's providence that's abounding and, and unfolding in front of them. So, again, there's different levels and different complexities here, but we would all agree, no matter the percentage of someone what we perceive to be on easy street or someone in the throes of despair, either way, in life under the sun, there are complexities involved. There is emotional hardship. There are economic challenges to each one. Some might perceive another's economic challenges to be not really challenges, but to them it is, genuinely so. 
So again, we just, we, we just look at the entire scope of thing, and he has encouragement in life's complexities or those who experience this grave injustice in this historical situation and how we can kind of adapt it and transfer it to our perspective. And it is encouraging the righteous. So I want to encourage you this morning through this text, encourage you as he encourages us in two things. Number one, his encouragement to those who feel kind of chapped those, those who are feeling raw in their emotions and constantly seeing the righteous seemingly to be plagued by performance of righteousness. And then again, um, the, the, the uh, unjust getting away with uh, uh, anything and being praised for it is number one, seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. In other words, he's encouraging, we're going to look at this in a moment, what, what he's going to try to, to shape our perspective as he did last week or, or earlier as we looked in chapter 7 is don't simply be driven mad by the optics. Don't sit and just continuously bemoan and be overwhelmed by the optics. Don't, uh, it's not that the optics are necessarily going to change. We're going to look at that in just a minute. This is, this is life lived under the sun as the world goes round. This is fallen life. And, and, and don't, his encouragement, don't sit back and be so overwhelmed by it, you can never act in time. It, because until all things made right is when I'll finally begin to live, is when I'll finally begin to act, is when I finally will begin to go forward. He's saying, then there will be no going forward. Things are broken. My encouragement to you, he says, seek wisdom in the brokenness, in the complexities. Seek wisdom. The second encouragement that we'll see in the text is, secondly, entrust yourself and all of life's injustices, or, or, or we might say complexity or challenges, or we might zero in on a particularized injustice that we are particularly burdened by. And he says to us, entrust yourself and the particularized situation unto God. This is what he's going to push for the righteous to do. In the complexity, seek wisdom, one, and thereby, in seeking wisdom, entrust yourself and the moving parts unto God. This is encouragement to the righteous this morning, to each one of us as we hear the preached word I trust we can grasp his encouragement to us and by grace see that continually um, put forward in our lives. Let me show you briefly how he encourages the pursuit of wisdom. Let's tackle verses 1 through 5. Look at his encouragement for us. In, remember, suffering kind of under a king, but for our context, we continually broaden the scope of what he's saying here because he offers us such simple and straightforward, really, words of encouragement no matter the challenge. Number, uh, or uh, verse 1. Who is like the wise? Remember, so think about the audience. They're sitting under this oppressive regime. And he says to them, who is like the wise? Who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not, make, do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. There's a warning to you. Here's a regime. This guy will do whatever he pleases. 
For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. Here the preacher immediately highlights in these first five verses two particulars that we can pull out, two particular aspects or encouragements that work in life's complexities for the wise. This is why he's encouraging you, number one, seek wisdom. I want to point out for you, this is the preacher, I want to point out for you two aspects that continually within life's complexities work for the wise. Seek wisdom, because here's two parts that work for the wise in life's complexities. Number one, they control what they can control. This is kind of putting it into kind of our vernacular here in this context. I'll show you how he's kind of describing that here in the first five verses. But I learned that kind of statement. I'm sure you've probably heard it different times, maybe from a parent or an advisor or a friend, someone who is encouraging you. Maybe you've repeated it and shared it to others, but you've said something along the lines of control what you can control, right? And so, so the, there's many moving parts all around you. You get overwhelmed and frustrated by them, and then you're frozen in time, and your complaints begin to be uh, um, very aggressive because you're just, you feel just you're spinning, and there's no piece to grab and stop and just kind of assess. And so maybe someone has said to you at one particular time, uh, again, in the sports arena, coaches will often give that to a player who's frustrated by what he feels to be the system of coaching or refereeing or uh, subject to another player's ills on the field or something. And they're, and they're totally taken out of the game. And the coach says to that player, that individual, control what you can control. Don't try to make, don't be the ref, don't be the other players, don't be every position. Look me in the eyes. Look, settle down. Control what you can control. This is the word of the wise. This is what works in life's complexities for the wise. It's kind of one of those things why the sayings like that along the way, even though, I, as I've said multiple times, I offer them, and everyone looks at me like they've never heard them. So I say, see, that's why these phrases are always used and you know, stick, because it's wisdom and recognizes in this complexity I'm going to control what I can control and you all here this more particular situation is your own response that's what you can control that's the measure for every moving part but the wise grasp this and they grasp bonds to said turmoil to said complexity that I can control offers you this uh, this kind of rhetorical question who is like the wise because he's getting ready to describe for you how to live wise here here's a wise individual let me ask you this the wise don't sit around and ask so so he's answering the question that he prompts you to think on do you know the internet who can figure out every reason under the sun why something that is unjust under the sun who can figure it all out man cannot however much man may toil in seeking why, 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 why? He will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Now, look at the situation of what the wise does in a complex interpretation of an event. In a complexity, let's say, economically. Again, here historically, it's with a king in his unjust rule. But broaden it to the interpretation of a thing. Any of life's complexities function and seek to find wisdom. 
Who knows the interpretation of a thing? There's the situational complexity. No matter what the, 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 the thing is for you this morning, who can know its depths? Who can discern all of it? That's what he's asking you as you're kind of thinking, this is unfair. He's saying to you, do you know that for sure? Do you know all that's purposed behind it? Do you know what its end will be in you and for you? Do you know right now to be so sure of your analysis to then lodge your complaints? He then says this about the interpretation of the wise. This is consider who is like the wise. That's the next portion of verse 1. A man's wisdom makes his face shine. And the hardness of his face is changed. Now, note quite straightforwardly, the situation is complex. And what changes for the wise in a complex situation with many moving parts? Not the situation. His own face changed. In the situation. In other, words, in other words, the wise man is not overwhelmed by all the moving parts. He faces adversity with a calming perspective. Knowing full well, I will not know the beginning from the end of this matter. And I will not only act when I can adjust and account for all of the moving parts, but rather I will thoughtfully change my own perspective. This is the wise. This is the first thing that works for the wise. You see injustice, you see complexity, seek wisdom in it. Well, what good is wisdom going to do to me if I can't change this? It'll change you. Do you see that? A man's wisdom makes his face shine. Notice what changed in the scenario, in in the confusing interpretation of a thing. The hardness of his own face has changed. He stepped back with a calming perspective. If you look back just uh, the book right before Ecclesiastes to Proverbs, just quickly look over to Proverbs 21. It's very similar, uh, again, wisdom literature to wisdom literature. These Proverbs prevail, not only the Lord's Proverbs, uh, but, but general Proverbs, because wisdom sticks and keeps on moving applicationally throughout life in life's observable detail. In Proverbs 21, verse 29, it's the exact same comment. It is a wicked man puts on a bold face. Do you see that? This is what the wise man changes, though, in life's complex situations. But a wicked man puts on a bold face. But notice the mark of the wise. Seek wisdom. The upright gives thoughts to his way. Verse 29 of chapter 21. You see, the wise look at a difficult thing quickly, a lot of people involved. Maybe it's a relational brokenness and burden. Maybe it's just an emotion. Maybe it's just all things included is over. Seek wisdom. And a wise man, through wisdom, has changed in his own thoughts of its prospects also. He doesn't simply pessimistically view the situation as tumbling down the pike to eliminate him. He himself has changed, not the complex situation. This is the simple adage, control what you 
can control. The wise grasp, the only thing that that is, is their own response to said complexity. The second encouragement that is in the text for the encouragements of living with wisdom, or as he said, seek wisdom. Don't simply be overwhelmed or driven mad by the optics of injustice. Seek wisdom. That begins with you controlling what you can control in any given situation. Secondly, entrust everything to God. In this difficult situation, control what you can control, which is very narrow, to your own response to said matter. And secondly, as you act and trust everything, your response, your thoughts, and those outside of you, the moving parts, the people, and the things within it, and trust the entire episode, yourself included, unto the Lord. Look at how the wise choose to do this. Um, verse 5, 6, and uh, 7 is included. L- look, at, look at how it works for the wise. So in verse 2 through 4, he gives a situation. Look, you need to change because the king, he won't. He's going to do what he wants. And his word is supreme. The wise know this, and they control what they can control. Not him, but themselves. Their response. It goes well with them if they do. Verse 5, whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. Now, now you have to ask, again, how do the wise know the proper time? How will they perceive in very difficult, complex situations the just pathway? How will they perceive this? Because he puts forward to you, the wise will be able to do this. Well, verse 6 and 7 kind of give us clarity as he moves forward. He's relying on us at this point to be able to piece together his comments that he's already made these comments before. So he's not going to elaborate, but he's going to move quickly into verse 6. And it's explaining how the wise heart will know the proper time to speak, the proper time to move forward, the proper time to draw back, and to grasp the just pathway. For, verse 6, there is a time... So they're going to know the proper time. The wise will know it. They will discern it in a difficult situation. The wise will not react simply. They will thoughtfully engage. Remember, it is the wicked who have a bold face going through any matter. I'm just like a bull in a china shop. Boom! And the wise will contemplate thoughtfully. They will discern, therefore, in a difficult situation, the proper time. Why? Because they grasp there is a time and a way, that is the just way, they know there is a time and a way for everything. It, it'll develop. Shh. Slow down. It, it, it will develop. The, the path will work. It, it will unfold. We'll know how to respond. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. Remember, see, that's the same thing. The wise are not demanding that the trouble go away first. The trouble will be with you. But the wise remains under the pressure cooker. Or I think you go into a pressure cooker, not under it. That would be the fire on the stove. They're in it with the lid on, right? And the pressure's mounting. It's heavy on him. But he grasps, even in its for everything, how does, verse 7, finally he says, for he does not know what is to, how it will be 
No man has the power to retain the spirit or the power of the day of death. Again, he doesn't know in a way to act in life's complexities. How will he be self and everything to God? How do we know that that's what he's getting at in verse 6? Look back in chapter 3. This is how, not by the song, but he believes it by Scripture. My burdens lie heavy on me. That's, that's under the umbrella of everything. It's the unwise who do not confess that and work. This is how you get driven down into the ground. This is how the dark clouds get dark. It's mine to do. It's mine to control. It's mine to act. No. He recognized in the complexing himself and all of its complexity over to God. Let me just further strain. They will discern the right time. Because they know there is a putting forward and there is a negative response. You know, you plant and then you pluck. So on in 11. For he, this is what the wise grasp, so therefore they entrust themselves. He brings life seasons appropriately right on time. Also, mine to control. They, the individuals, are not mine to control. To chapter 8, if, with these two encouragements of how, who is like the wise, this is who, that he controls what he can control. That is, his own face has changed. He sees in burden possible potential, and he waits upon the Lord. That is, he recognizes a proper time and a just pathway. And he isn't anxious about the time and the path emerging because he knows that God controls time. And there will be a time for everything according to God's goodness in our lives. It doesn't mean since time comes, my troubles are removed, but it means I have a sense of time, though my troubles lie heavy on me. This twofold encouragement of entrusting everything to God and controlling what one can control, which is his own response, gains or yields a positive result. The, the, the wise, in other words, live a good life. Now, it doesn't mean the elimination of their burden. Life's burdens lie heavy on them. But they live well in the midst of toil and burden. Look at verse 14 and 15. There is a vanity that takes place on earth. He just continues this this. this Discussion. There are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. Nothing's changed, guys. The situation is still the same. I said this is vanity. Well, then what are we going to do about it? Well, I already told you. You need to entrust yourself to the Lord in this particular situation of injustice. You need to control your own response before the king. Verse 15, because this is what I'm commending unto you. If you do such... I commend joy, for man has no good thing under the sun but to eat and to drink and to be joyful. This is a word to the wise. For, for this is what I say to him who is able to entrust himself by faith unto the hands of his creator, who makes all things in proper time, and he acts within himself in every given situation thoughtfully rather than reactively, he I commend unto him joy. For this, you notice at the end of verse 15, for this joyful season, fellowship, family, meaning, and time, this 
will go with him. Notice, in his toil, through the days of his life, that God has given him under the sun. You notice again, the toil hasn't ceased. The burden hasn't been lifted. He hasn't changed all the moving parts. It is the wise man who is changing. It is the wise man who, by grace, is changing. And I commend unto him joy, because this will go with him through his toil. You see, the positive return to the wise, who control what they can control, and trust all matters unto God, their return is that they are indeed still burdened by life's complexities. But they are not overcome. Burdened, but persevering. See, your burden over the unjust matter, whether it's the king that he's speaking to in this historical situation, your burden is rightly felt. It's not that, like, because you'll live wise, that means to, like, live like this and be like, I'm not hearing. That's not the walk of the wise. The complexity abounds. They don't just turn a blind eye, like, I'm going to pretend like I'm going to wish it all away by closing my eyes and going to work. No, the, the be upon him. He's in the midst of his toiling. But the burden is right in its portions. It isn't overwhelming. It's rightly felt. It needs to be addressed. But not driven on by reaction, but thoughtfully engaged. Because I'm not trying to control the outcome. I'm entrusting this season, as with all seasons, unto the Lord. This is the mark of the wise. The burden being rightly felt, but in due proportion. He is concerned about the lack of justice. He is concerned about his economic future. He is concerned about the relationships and their brokenness. But he is not seeing himself as the sole means or actor in the theater of life to correct all that is unjust. In other words, the wise doesn't make himself to be too important. He recognizes the Lord will prevail. He makes everything in its due season. And he makes everything beautiful in its time. I need to fix it now. We just, it's not ours to fix. We wait upon the Lord, who is like the wise. His own face will be changed. This negative situation is genuinely negative. And you can't wish it away. But neither are you the sole actor that can bring resolve. The wise grasp this. And I commend to them joy, even in their toil. Which then begs another comment. Joy is not dependent on a toilless life. I commend to them joy. I commend to them the experience and not check out their family relationships. Experience them. Drink, eat, be merry. Do indeed. 
Don't check out. Don't be so overwhelmed by what's going on at work. When you come home, you can't even speak. You can't even talk. You can't address. You can't be together. I, no, no it, I'm, I'm not saying if you can get rid of that, then you can finally come home and be with your family. It, no. I commend you to be joyful in your toil. Because you come home and you go to work recognizing these are not the two shoulders that will bring resolve to the universe. My little one or this massive one. God will make all things beautiful in time. And in the meantime, I will rely upon him to fulfill his promises. And that will change me in the circumstance. The wise, who is like the wise? This is his encouragement to us. So I want to make two follow-up kind of comments here. And that is, again, um, with a promising perspective on wisdom, let me ask a quick question. I say quick, and it won't be quick, but um, let me ask two follow-up questions. Um, Number one, with this perspective on wisdom, it's necessary that we ask ourselves, what is wisdom? And I will be brief as possible. What is wisdom? Um, if I were to ask you at this point, taking it, that is, to control what we can, to entrust all things, ourselves included, seek wisdom, do you ask yourself, what then is wisdom? Count to ten. I rely upon the Lord. But as I act in life's complexity, what is it? Perhaps you would respond something along these lines. It's skill in living. Or, or maybe we would say something like this, and, and, and this is fine. We'd say something like knowledge applied. This is what wisdom is biblically. That wisdom is skill according to God's order. You see, because if, if prolonging their days, it, it can't be simple skill in living. Living according to God's order. This the wicked mortally miss. You see, we must grasp, wisdom is not amoral pragmatism. That's, that's not how we face life's complexities, with an attitude that says, whatever works is right. It's amoral. That is not what the, the preacher is encouraging us to do. It is not amoral pragmatism. Living wisely in God's world is living according to his order and justice. Proverbs 3, you're familiar. Proverbs 3 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. It isn't an amoral pragmatism. It isn't like what I see and what will pragmatically work for me is equal sign right. No, don't. In fact, Scripture says don't do that. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. There's wisdom. Fearing the Lord. I want to move to Proverbs 1 just briefly. Just briefly. I can't get out of it. Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1. Please. I want to give just a brief comment on Proverbs 1 here. That we can make clear. Again, what we see about wisdom in our dealings. Proverbs 1. I'll be brief. Proverbs 1. 
If you're there, the Proverbs of Solomon, verse 1, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. So here he's setting up no wisdom to receive instruction in wise dealing. How do I act in time? Okay, I'm going to entrust myself in this situation unto God. I'm going to control what I can control. How do I act as I control what I can control? My own response. Here it is. Receive instruction in wise dealing. This is how you act. This is how you deal in righteousness, justice, and equity. That is how you act in time according to wisdom. You see, the wise life is the life that conforms to God's standard of righteousness. It's not amoral pragmatism. You cannot just simply say, I'm entrusting this situation to God, and then act in a manner that betrays that. In so doing, Act according to God's standard of righteousness. Act ethically. Don't manipulate others. That's not just. That's not right and true. That's not equitable. This is how a righteous deals, a righteous individual, or a wise individual rather, deals righteously, justly, and equitably. The wise one renounces autonomy and places his trust in God. This is wisdom. Now, there's one last in closing question. This is it. No, I have two questions, but I'll ask them quickly. How does one get it? I cannot describe it and then leave you in the lurch on as to how one gets it. How do you get it? So so, so I want to act in it. I want to be marked by it. I want to have the peace that it brings. I want to have the joy. I want to have the joy when I go home. I want to have the joy when I'm in this situation. I want to see some sense of pathway when it's prompted in this kind of confusing situation. I want it. How do I get it? How do I get wisdom? The short answer is through increased learning. Increased learning. Look at verse 4 and 5 of chapter 1, if you're still there in Proverbs. Look what happens to the wise in verse 5. This is for every person in this room, whether you're just starting out, whether you're in midway, or whether you're on beyond the, ne- the, 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 the lowest common denominator here in the room. This is every single individual. Verse 5. Let the wise hear. So you're already in this position. You're wise. You're, taking to, you're acting with righteous justice and equity. Let the wise then hear and increase yet more. Increase in learning. The one who understands, who gets it, obtain guidance. You see, increase and obtain. Look over in chapter 9 just briefly because he ends chapter 9 the exact same way, right in the middle of chapter 9 of Proverbs. Look at verse 9 of chapter 9. Give instruction to a wise man. See, he's already wise. You're already seasoned. You're not reactionary. You're already doing these things. Yet life continues to give you toil. Your burden continues to weigh heavy. You're frustrated by it. 
Well, verse 9 of chapter 9, give instruction to this one who's currently frustrated, who's currently acting as a wise individual, and guess what will happen as he thinks and meditates upon instruction? He will be still wiser. You see, lifelong learning. Look at the next portion. Teach a righteous man. He's already there. He's already wise. But look at what occurs. He will increase in learning. You see, wisdom is not intuitive. It is an acquired comedy. It is an acquired commodity. The final question for obtaining instruction, the final question for us this morning is increase learning in what? Righteous man, and he continues to increase in learning. The final question for our time this morning, what do... The, the, the righteous continue to grasp. What is it? In its final comment, look at chapter, uh, well, you're there in chapter 9, perhaps. Look at verse 10. Look at the primary subject matter. of It is the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's anything. The primary subject matter of his analysis and study and meditation is the fear of the Lord. Meaning wisdom, controlling what you can control, entrusting yourself to, in the fear of the Lord. It isn't a one-time moment, a one-time event. It is a process whereby you continually feast and grow in depth. I conclude with this text. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, 31. Christ Jesus is our wisdom and our righteousness and our sanctification, and our redemption. Therefore, let the one who boasts, not boast in his own wisdom, but boast in the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we just ask that you would continually reveal